is let us get going. Today's daf is daf number page fifty-six in Hilgim Besachos Baba Kama. We're on the second daf of Parakakainis, and we pick up from the two dots, six lines from the top of the daf. Okay, Amar Mar. Let's remind ourselves what we are going through. So specifically, let's go back. We're not going to go back in the Gemara, but if we turn back to Nun Hey Amid Beis, the first wide line on the bottom, fifty-five B, first wide line on the bottom. Tanya, the Brisa says, Amar Reb Yeshua, Arbodvarim, there's four matters, there's four things, Ha'isa Aisan, that if a person does it, Potter Bidine Adam, Vachaya Bidine Shemayim, you're not held liable by a court down here on earth, but you're responsible in heaven. What are the four? Let's just re- re- learn this, Ve'iluhain, Ha'pirates gather for Ebed's if your friend's animal is locked up and you break down the fence, so now the animal goes out and damages. Or hakofev kamaso shel chavero b'fnei adleka, a person who bends somebody's stalk seemingly into the fire. Vahasaycher edei sheker lahaid, or a person who hires false witnesses to testify. Vayadei edos to chavero v'enemelo, or if you know something to testify up to help your friend financially and you don't help him out, that's also called a grama. You're causing damage and. Um, and your chay of bedine od bedine shamayim, but poter bedine od. Why did you add if you know something to help your friend? Well, it says if financially. Okay, because that's the case. Because we're dealing with financial matters here. How else am I going to be chay of in shamayim? Because I don't testify to help him. You might know. So how am I putter with any other? Of course I'm putter with the can't obligate me stomp for not testifying in general. What's Besden going to do to me? So it's got to be that we're dealing with something Besden will stick their nose into. Okay? Now, Lamaisa, it does need to be explained. It does need to be explained. See, now we're going to pick up at the two dots, okay? These two dots here on Dafnun Vavamad Aleph with Amar Mar is getting specifically into the case of Hasaycher Eide Shakar. Okay, one who hires false witnesses and they testify for you, they are your partner. What's the case? If you're going to say that you hired witnesses to testify for yourself, so me and Steve are in court, arguing about money. Actually, not, you know, maybe we both want to know what the Ratz and Hashem is. Whatever happened, and we're both like, you know, I don't know, you don't know. Let's go to court. Bezdin, they have Dayanim to help us out. Why not just go to a single law? Okay, maybe you will. Maybe. Okay. But we go to court together with good faith, under good faith. Now, if I hire false witnesses to stand up for me, I don't understand. I'm not Potter Bedine Adam. Memaina Boy Shlume, I need to go pay you back. For any money that I got through those witnesses. I should certainly be obligated even through court. I'm a goddess. The case is where I hired witnesses to testify on behalf of somebody else. Okay? So the two of you are in court. And I'm like, hey guys, come here. I'll give you a hundred bucks to testify for Steve on behalf of Steve. Because I know, you know, I know it would be helpful for Steve, you know, to, to have you guys. 
What am I doing doing with it? So if I hire them, I'm Potter Bedini Adam, Bechaya Bedini Shemayim. Next case. Why, why, you know, why is he being Potter Bedini Adam? Why am I Potter Bedini Adam? Yeah. Because the Maisa. Why, why are they in a better than uh, the other case. I didn't directly receive any money from this. I didn't gain anything from it. I caused you a financial loss. So I caused you a financial loss. That's it. But there's nothing you could stick you could stick on me and be like, what? Give me back my money? I don't have your money. I didn't take money from you. I caused you to give money to Steve. You want to say otherwise? Okay. So now that we prove that they're they're uh, uh, false, so now you'll take you counter sue. You'll take Steve back to court and say, like, excuse me, now these witnesses haven't proven to be false. But what about me? I could stay an outsider in this bidine adam. In Shamayim, not. Which, by the way, by the way, what Yale's bringing up is profound. Let me explain. All these cases where I'm are telling me that even though I'm wrong, dead wrong, a Russia, that doesn't mean that I necessarily pay. And it also tells me that even though I, as a person, can't say it's... it's uh, Usser, this case is usser, but in general, even though it's not usser, it could still be very wrong. So when people ask a shayla, let me see what I mean. People will come to Rabbi and ask a shayla, is it mutter or usser? Sometimes, is it mutter or usser? Whatever the case is. Whatever the case is. Very often a rav who understands the, the, Nuance. the nuances will say, Forget mutter or usher. Is it right or wrong? Is it right or wrong? Because it may not be usher, but you're wrong for doing it. And just because something's mutter doesn't mean it's right either. Doesn't mean it's right. It could be mutter. Allowed. You're allowed to eat a dozen donuts for breakfast. It's wrong to eat a dozen donuts for breakfast. It's the wrong thing to so do. Is that a wrong position? Job to tell somebody that? I mean, is there any halacha? No. That, that, that's, as, as a rub, as a rub, do you have a responsibility to to tell that person? A rub's responsibility is to live up Derachatira, and the Derachatira in such a case is that if some if it's if somebody's gonna listen to you, you're Mukhuyev to tell them whether or not you're a rub. And if somebody's not gonna listen to you, then you don't tell them. Whether or not you're a rav, that's a rav's responsibility. That because that's what the Torah says. That's your mechiyev do as a rav. Same as same as any other yid. Now it could be your position gives you some clout to be able to say something more than somebody else because it might be listened to more. Yeah, might be might be respected more. Okay, but it's the same avayda as anybody else. It's the same avayda. If it's going to be productive, say it. If it's going to be counterproductive, you don't say it. Same as, same as anything. It, it, this touches on my father, Zuchayt Lebracha. Um, got smicha, received smicha from Rav Meisha. For whatever, there's a whole story backing up why. He got, my father wasn't a Rav. Um, but 
for some reason, Rav Moshe wanted to give my father smicha. He tested him in various areas of halacha. And there's a lot. I learned a lot from the stories my father told me of Rav Moshe's fahir. But anyway, Rav Moshe called my father in. They were neighbors. And my father was learning in Lakewood. And he heard my father just finished learning chulim. So he called my father in to talk to him in learning in chulim. At the end of that, gave him smicha. Okay. So... My father said, I don't understand what the purpose of smicha is. What's the purpose? If you know what the halacha is, you could say it whether or not you have smicha. And if you don't know what the halacha is, you cannot say it whether or not you have smicha. So what does it matter? To the outside world, they want to see your credentials. Okay, so you're saying it's a certificate to put on the wall? Yes. Okay. No, but it's also... It's also... uh... The recognition that somebody, when you say something to somebody, they give you a little extra recognition. A little extra recognition. They, oh, the rabbi said. Okay. Now, Listen to what Ramesha said. Ready for this? Ramesha says, I'll tell you why you should get smicha. I'll tell you why you should get smicha. Oh. Because if somebody comes to you with a shayla, for example, on a chicken, whether it is kosher. Or treif. And you rule treif. And you're wrong. It really was kosher. Let's say it really was kosher. But you rule treif. What's going to happen to that chicken now? It's going in the garbage. If you don't have smicha, you're a ganav. If you have smicha, you're potter. If you have no right to paskin and you paskin wrong... It's basically an insurance policy. Oh. That's what Ramesh told me. That's what Ramesh told my father. Maybe, maybe there's more to it also. I don't know, but that was one thing my father told me about that uh, interaction. Ramesh said, you're putter if you pass it wrong. If you, only if you have smicha. If you don't have smicha, then you're, you're mamish. You're still... What, what, you, what do you, Treif, tell him to throw it out. Who are you to say that? Make, make Who, where are you coming from to, to say such a thing? Okay. But that, you're, you're reminding me of it. Like, what would a rav do? Different than everybody else. The emesis, em- the same thing anybody should do, is just because something's mutter doesn't make it right, and just because something's uh, not usher doesn't mean it's not wrong. It could be very wrong and not be usher. And that this very much falls in line with pater b'dinei adam b'dinei We're giving examples of things that you are. Some, I mean, it's even usher to hire false witnesses, but you're you're wrong now. Just because bezin doesn't obligate you financially doesn't, in any way, shape, or form, minimize how wrong you are, but. Within the parameters of when I'm chayav financially in something, I'm just not chayav because it's called a, a grum. Okay, let's keep going. And a person who knows testimony about his friend and he does not testify on his behalf. What is the case? If I'm dealing with somebody who testified with another with other witnesses, Shadam Pshita, um, of course he's chayav The Allah is if you know something about your friend to help him. It's an Avera Natu. So this day you're telling me you're Chayav and Shemayim. Of course, any sin that you do, you're Chayav and Shemayim. It says, Gemara Elabachad, we're dealing with you coming and testifying on your own. Let's say you know testimony that could benefit somebody else, but you're an individual uh, aid. Now the rule is, if an aid echad, if a single aid comes and testifies about a financial matter, the defendant against that one aid has to take an oath. He has to swear. You're, you're not two aid. Two aid them are just obligating. One will obligate him to take an oath. Now, if he swears falsely, because I, I, I know for a fact he's wrong. I'm a, I'm a witness, right? 
If he swears falsely, he's going to get off the hook. If he doesn't swear it, and he says, you're right, so then I'm actually helping the person who I'm testifying on their behalf. Now, I don't know if the guy's going to swear falsely or not. Or he might say nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he's mukhayyib. Bezdin will obligate him to either take a shvur or pay. I say, you, I, I, I say, I saw Yankel borrow $100. Bezdin's going to obligate Yankel to swear or pay. So if he pays, that's fine, because I know he's mukhayyib to pay. But he might swear falsely. So I don't know for sure, by me not showing up, who I'm causing a loss to. Because I don't know what's going to happen. So, Memela, um, um, we're dealing with an uh, Echad, and we say that in such a case, you're part of the Yadav Period. Okay. Says the Gemara as follows. Remember, we start out today's daf with Rabbi Yeshua's statement towards the bottom again. He said there's four times, Rabbi Yeshua said, in four matters, you're part of the Now the Gemara is going to list a whole bunch of cases that have the same halacha, and therefore we're going to ask, why would you say there's four cases? There's a lot more than just what we listed. So here we go. Besulak are there no other cases? But what about the following case? Simon Isa, Besem, Bushliach, Haberi, Nishpar. The way to remember the next cases is with those words. Here we go. The person who works the waters of the Paraduma or the, uh, para, the ashes of the Paraduma itself or a Paraduma itself, right? The Paraduma, you're not allowed to work it. So you caused a real loss by working it. It went down in value tremendously and you can't even use the ashes anymore. But you are chayav You made the, the, even though you ruined the water, they can't take payment from you, says Rashi the following. This, by the way, the rest of today's Amr is going to get on a number of different areas of financial matters. Here's one, ready? After working the paraduma, or after working the waters of the paraduma, is there any noticeable damage? No. There is spiritual damage in that you caused it to lose usage. But as long as a damage is not noticeable, says Rashi, you can't financially obligate somebody in something that is not noticeable. Okay? Um, And therefore, you're putting in a Chavdi Shemayim. So that's one case that... You uh, th- uh, that you left out. Another case. If you put poison near your friend's animal, and your friend's animal eats it, you didn't feed the animal. You put it near it. There's another case. If you give a fire in the hands of a person who doesn't have the mental capacity, if let's say you scare your, your friend and he jumps backwards and gets a cut in his head, faints, falls backwards, you just caused that to happen, but it really were considered like he scared himself. He didn't need to get so frightened. Somebody who drops a glass pitcher, for example, it could be anything, pottery, it breaks, you make it hefker, according to Rabbi Yehuda, we learned earlier in the Masechda, and you leave it there. Instead of me cleaning it up, I'm like, Bleh. leave it for the uh, custodian. Okay? So, Rav Meir, so here we have five cases that also the psak is, the ruling is, you're probably the other Why is Rabbi Shul only giving those four cases? Answers the Gemara, you're right. 
in. There's many more cases. Mia Ika Tuva. You can keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. Fani Yisrichalev listing these four specifically. Maudim, I would have thought to say, Maybe in these four cases, you're not even obligated in heaven. That you are. And now we need to explain why in these four specific cases, I would think that even in Shemayim, you're off the hook. See, here we go. Dirty for this. Even in Shemayim, you'd be off the hook. That's right. That's what I would think. If Rabbi Shul wouldn't have listed this, I would think you mamish did nothing wrong. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? Beautiful. So let's go through each one. Let's go through the first case. What was the first case of Rabbi Shua? You knock down the wall surrounding your friend's animal and his animal goes out and damages. I would have thought to say, Maybe the wall was already very schwach and it needed to be knocked down. Otherwise, it could, it's going to damage somebody. So, what did I do by removing the wall? Maybe, you know something? Maybe I was even helpful. Because this guy's waiting, like most people do, for the whole thing to fall down and cause problems. And I'm like, you know, I see a problem happening. I'll just take it down. I'll do it for you. I'm helping. So I would say, my Rabbi Shua says, no, no, no. Bottom line is, this animal was surrounded by even an old rickety wall. If you want to do and be helpful, make sure the animal doesn't get out. Don't do a half big job. Okay? Okay. Next case. When uh, I bend over my friend's stalks by the fire. Let the guy say, The Gemara established, what's the case? I bent the stalks, I put it closer to the flame, and then an abnormal wind came. So the guy said, Would I know an abnormal wind would have come? I shouldn't even be Chayav. Uh, in Shomayim. Okay, why? I was just this minimal risk. Minimal risk from what I was doing. If the winds would have stayed normal, nothing would have happened. It's kind of like, reminds us all of different things. So I got teenagers at home, and one of their shticks, I did the sauce when I was a teenager, so I just smile and shake my head because I, I see me. By Havdalah, or any time they see a fire, they start playing around. Now, if it was a little kid, when they were little, uh-uh. But now they're grace And they know exactly how to slide their finger through the flame and, t- and grab the flame and azaza. They're actually pretty good at it. I think it's a dumb move. It's a risk. I, w- I personally don't do that. And I'm like, guys, ain't smart. But buzz kept in tongue. They're, you know, the 14, 15, 16, 17... Right? Either they're going to have to learn from their own experience or hopefully nothing's going to happen. Uh, it's a 1% chance because of, of something happening, but the 1%, I take the risk uh, coming from an adult. Right? <laughs> Why would you even take the 1%? But for them, it's kishmak. It's kishmak to play around with the flames and the, and the, and the grace is So this guy says, listen, this guy's like, I, I moved it towards the fire. In a normal matzav, no, I know how to handle flames. I know how to, I know how to handle fire. Nothing would have happened. An abnormal wind came. Going to be high of me and Shemayim. They think they're normal, my kids. This guy thinks what he's doing is normal. Kamash Balan says, Rabbi Yeshua, it's not normal. Don't risk it. You're putting the other. You're right. It's not. But in Shemayim, you're still Machayiv. You could have been more careful. And according to Ravashi, who says that we're dealing with Tom and the guy came and he covered over the grain to cause the, the 
the lighter of the fire to not be obligated. Ma'utim, he says, the Chiddush is, I would have thought to say, listen, I was covering it, and this is what Yale brought up. Yale said, well, when you cover it, there's a chance that you're even protecting it. So maybe he could say that, you know, maybe I was to an extent uh, protecting it. It takes longer for it to burn if it has a cover. So, so either I shouldn't be obligated in Shemayim, you are chayiv in Shemayim, because the bottom line is, by you covering it, you cause the owner of the grain to now not be paid. In the case of hiring false witnesses as well, I would have said, I hire false witnesses. Let me ask you something. I walk over to you, I say, I'll give you $50 if you go hurt somebody. And you do it. I could sit here in the base Medrash and say, What? I'm Chayav in Shemayim? Do Bismuth Sugar. Why would you do that for 50 bucks? What are you, a nut? Even in Shemayim, I shouldn't be Machayav. What do you mean? But you hired me. Yeah, you shouldn't have done it. The Bansham said, Don't do it. I told you to do it for $50. You're going to do it? So I would have thought to say that the, this guy who hired them could have a time and say, Listen, I know I offered them money. But they're still the lunatic. Don't come back to me. They're the ones with the Avera. I got the ball rolling over here. I offered money. I am responsible. And the fourth case, I would have said that if, if I know testimony about my friend and I don't testify on his behalf, also I should not be in Shemayim. Why? I would have thought the same. Who says? Who says that even if I would have testified that um, he would have, uh, you know, he, he would have agreed and not have sworn? Maybe he'll swear. Dilma having Maybe he would have sworn falsely and not have had to pay at all. So since I'm not causing a lack of payment because you don't even know that the payment would have been made. I mean, not showing up. I caused you to lose. No, maybe he wouldn't have paid anyway. Bottom line is like this. Period. And the Gemara to that. Bottom line is like this. Rabbi Shua gave us four cases where you're part of the other Chayvadin Shemayim. The Gemara had asked, I'll give you five cases, I'll give you a thousand cases that you're also going to be part of the other Chayvadin Shemayim. Why you list those four? The Gemara answers beautifully. These four are four different categories where I would have even thought you have no responsibility in heaven. Kamashwan, you do. And now we're supposed to take each of these four cases and apply it to our own lives. And say, okay, well, if the halacha is that even though there's a minimal risk involved in something, I still bear responsibility if something happens. Don't be a tippish. Don't take those risks. What's the purpose? What's the point? I'm supposed to take that message. Now that I am Chavadin Ishmael, apply it to that case and apply it to other cases um, as well. Okay. Beautiful. Two dots. We said that what if I lock up my sheep properly and then at night the wall falls down. Things happen. Or bandits broke down my walls and the animals ran amok. Is that the word? Ran amok. Okay. So the Mishnah is on putter. I'm off the hook. I did what I had to do. If a wall falls down at night, you, you can't really put the responsibility on the owner. How's he supposed to know that? Bandits knock down the wall. What do you want from me? Amar Rabbah. Rabbah says, V'hu Shechasra. 
Shechosra is a, means the animal dug under the fence. What we mean by this is that the owner is not expected to predict it from happening. It's not, he's not expected to predict it. If there's nothing you could predict, you're still going to be responsible. Okay? If your wall falls down at night and you knew it was on its last legs, that's not going to be an excuse that it fell down at night and you were sleeping. Okay? It has to be that... Um, it has to be that it was uh, completely unexpected. It wasn't expected. What would happen if the animal did not dig under the wall and cause the wall to fall down? What would Allah be? You're responsible. Now why? What's the case? So when he says that um, if he dug under the wall, yep. then um, Amarava was clever. Avalaycha if he didn't dig under the wall, Let's say it fell down by itself. Sechayev, it seems the owner would be responsible. So if, if he dug under the wall, then it's, you can't, you can't be, held, be responsible for to him doing something that's so... Says the Gemara, hey, dummy. what's the case? Even because of Berya, if the guy had a strong, healthy wall, so now one second, even if the animal didn't dig... You should be putter. This is completely unexpected. Somehow, some way, you had a good, strong wall, a healthy wall, and it's random that it fell down. I just put it in. I just had a construction company put the fences in, and it fell down. That's strange. So I should be putter. I'm a total inus, if that's the case. Okay? My havali the mebat. What do you want the owner to do? It was a strong wall. It fell down. I'm not responsible. Ella bakaisarua. Rather, the case has to be dealing with the shvacha wall, a weak wall. But one second, if it's a weak wall in the first place, why am I potter b'dini adam? Ki chasra, when it falls down, am I, am I, am I, am I potter? Why are you potter? You're starting out negligent and you're ending out with an inus. You're negligent for allowing that wall to be there. And shkoyach, oh, it ended up falling down. I know, but you started the problem, so we should, uh, we should obligate you. Now, the Gemara is going to shift to the, another conversation now. What taka is dalacha by tchilasa b'pshia b'seifa b'inus? If something starts out negligent, but it ends up in an accident, what's dalacha there? Honey, chalamadam tchilasa b'pshia b'seifa b'inus putter. If you're going to tell me that in general you're okay and you're putter, okay, so that fits with our Mishnah. It was a weak, a weak wall, fell down. Ah, you shouldn't have done it. I know, but it ended up being an inus, so I, that works with our Mishnah. But alamadam tchilasa b'pshia b'seifa b'inus chayav. If you don't hold your chayav, Michael and Emma, how you can explain this Mishnah? Again, because the case where the animal got out and your wall fell down has to be dealing with a weak wall. So that means it's chlatsim bipshia. Ended up being an anus. If you hold in general your chayev, why is our Mishnah saying putter? Says the Gemara Elamasizim because he'll bury Says, no, no, let me explain. Our Mishnah, where the animal got out, is done with a healthy wall. And we're not dealing with an animal digging underneath the wall, causing it to fall down. You had a healthy wall. So what happened? Rabba is going in the going in the seifa, which is hanicha b'chama. If you lock up your sheep properly and it gets out somehow, you're putter. But what if you left it in the sun? Now, if you leave it in the sun, this animal is going to go nuts, and a regular strong wall ain't going to work. 
or you get over the Chayr that have all sorts of big ideas with sheep. The Yatzvah and then goes out and damages, then you're going to be Chayv. On that, Amar Amarava. that's where Rabbah comes along and says, you should know, you know when you're Chayv, when you give the animal over to uh, the Chayr Shad Vekadon, or you leave in the sun, Afilo, that is true, even when Chasra, it dug underneath the wall. What do you mean? Certainly if it didn't dig under the wall, the owner's responsible because <laughs> you, you, you didn't you left your thing in the, you left your animal in the sun. What else do you expect? You're a complete pasheya. The kulab shiahu. You're completely negligent for leaving your your animal in the sun. By chayav alafilu chasanami. But even if it dug under the wall while it's sitting in the heat, you're going to be chayav. Why? What's the vart? Mahu the tema I would have thought to say. You started out negligent from leaving it in the sun, but you ended up being in Ainus. Okay, why? Says Rashi, to explain, the way for an animal to break out of a fence when it's hot and is fending for its life to get out of the heat, it ain't going to be through digging. It's just going to knock itself against that wall and knock it down. I don't have time for this. You just got to get out. Which is, I've shared this Misa um, a couple times. I don't know in this setting specifically, but I shared it in Shul recently about Ben Gurion. It's a Heliga Misa. Ben Gurion was walking with Ben Yehuda. Ben Yehuda authored uh, Modern Ivrit. The reason why he authored Modern Ivrit is because Ben Yehuda felt that. Yiddish is a very sloppy language. It's very sloppy. And we're going to have our own nation, and have our own identity, we need to have a respectable language. So Ben Yehud was very makbid to have a, uh, that there should be a strong uh, modern Hebrew, uh, modern Ivrit uh, that was up to par with other languages, so to speak. So the story goes that Ben Gurion was walking with Ben Yehuda. And it was a scorching hot day. And he just says, he, he says, ah, it's a zahis. A zahis. So Ben Yehuda turns to the Rosha Memshalah. He says, Kavod, Rosha Memshalah. He says, you should say it's Cham Ma'od. And Ben Gurion looks at him and he says, it's zahis. Too hot. Don't tell me to say Cham Ma'od. I'm done. <laughs> I, I don't need you. I don't need you in this. This is me. I'm, I'm hot. Stop it. <laughs> right? We have times like that. Pre- present yourself differently. When it's too hot, I ain't presenting myself differently. I'm sorry. Bye. I'm out of here. It's haze. I need to go get a drink. That's what Gamora is saying over here. You left this animal in the hot sun. The animal's going to sit there and be like, oh, well, let me think for a minute. What should I do to get out of here? No, it's a haste. Boom, knock down the fence. Bye. What's the animal doing digging? If you leave it in the sun and it digs its way out, I would say you should be putter. You know why? Because even though you were negligent for leaving it in the sun, it went out in, an, in a way that seems to have nothing to do with the sun. It seems like it's Tom wanted to dig its way out because if it didn't want to, he should have been like Ben-Gurion. Say, hey, I'm out of here. Bye. Knock down the fence. The Kulubshi, Kamash Malan. Therefore, Rabbi says, Kulubshi, the whole thing is Pshia, my time, why do you Because the person that got damaged could save the owner of the animal. 
Meida yadat, the kibbutz shat libchana. You know, since you left your animal in the sun, kol tatzdika the ista lemavad abdo benafka. That you once you left the animal in the sun. Let me tell you something. However, it wants to get out, it's going to get out. And don't tell me, yeah, but it's abnormal that it should dig its way out. It should have knocked over the fence. Yeah, what if it tried to and it couldn't knock down the fence? Then it'll start digging. I don't know the chachmas. I don't know. If it's hot, the animal's going to find its way out. Same thing we said before. Same logic. Maybe that's not the first place it'll go to dig. But if it needs to go to dig, it will go to dig. Bottom line is, you owner is responsible. Okay. Two dots. Haitziyom listem listem So we said if the, if the bandits break open the pen... The owner of the animal is putter. What if the listim took the animal? So now the bandits, the list of themselves, become the new owners. Because they made an acquisition on the animal. They've acquired it, they, they pulled it. That's what the Gemara is now going to explain. Of course they're responsible. We know in general there's a, there's a, there's a, a halacha that once you take hold of something and you grab something, even a way of stealing, you take full responsibility. So why is this Mishnah teaching me about the responsibility of stealing? That's not our conversation here. It's, of course they're responsible when they, when they, uh, when they take it. it. No, maybe the case is, and I can, you could see, why would they do this? It doesn't make a difference why they would do this, but understand the parameters of it. It's very possible that the bandits, here's the case, breach the wall, and then position themselves around the animal to have it go out of the fence. Maybe the animal didn't want to leave on its own. But they kind of like position themselves to, to uh, prod the animal, but they didn't actually make a kinyan. They didn't pull it. They didn't do a kinyan uh, meshicha. They didn't pick it up. They, didn't, they just positioned themselves that the animal should follow. But they didn't, they didn't actually lead it. Hence, they didn't make a kinyan. And even without a Kenyan, even without making an acquisition, they're still Mechoyev. So now this needs to be explained. Why? Like this, Abramasa says the name of Rahab. If I take one person's animal and I stand it on somebody else's grain, I'm responsible for the damage that was done. Maimid, if you stood the animal on somebody else's grain, Pshita, of course you're responsible. You directly did damage. So the case is light sricha. The kamla ba'apa. No, what happened was is that I stood in front of the animal and I kind of, I kind of positioned my body to cause it to go over and damage uh, somebody's grain. And even in that case, you see that I'm a chliyev. I'm responsible, even though. What did I pull it? No, you didn't pull it, but you 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 caused it to happen. You're still going to be chayev. Amalei abai le rabbi Abai says to rabbi Yosef, hikisha amritlan the list the nami dikishula. He says, you should know that when you explained this halacha, you taught us that the case was not where they made a direct acquisition, but the case was that he hit the animal with a stick. And by hitting it with a stick, that caused the animal, uh, that caused the animal to go. Now, if that would be true, that's an actual kid. That's an actual kid. So now we're left with two possible explanations of why, of what the case is. When the listim came in, they're going to take ownership. That's a chiddush. We know in general when the listim take owner, uh, steal, they're responsible. The Gemara asks, that's simple. Why are you getting into laws over here? I know that. So two possible chidushim. Chidush number one is that they're going to be responsible even if they didn't actively make a kinyan. They just positioned their bodies to cause it to walk somewhere. And that's the chidush of the Mishnah where the listim, the bandit's going to be responsible. Another possible chidush of the Mishnah is where the listim didn't pull it, but they hit it with a stick. And the, the teaching of the Mishnah is hitting is a Kenyan. 
If you hit an animal and cause it to go, that's called an acquisition. Okay. Directing the animal. That's right. That's right. And now the dispute between the two answers whether I, I need to actual I need to actually be kinda to be chayiv, or whether I just have to be directly cause the animal to go there. Like a garmi. It's a direct cause. Okay. Two dots. Masulraya. What if the owner of an animal gives it over to a shepherd? Please, Reb Shepherd, watch my animal. So now what thalacha? You're off the hook. If the animal damages, it's the shepherd's responsibility. He's supposed to watch your animal, yeah. Oh, no. Amri, they said, Tacht of the man. Whose place does the shepherd take? Tacht of the Baal If he's taking the place of the owner of the animal. I know this, I've already learned this elsewhere in um, what we say in the Mishnah. You give it over any of these guardians, they all take the place of the owner. A shepherd is no different than a guardian. And the Mishnah earlier already taught us that if you give over to a guardian, the guardian takes the place of the owner. So why would I need to mention about shepherds? Ella tacht of the shimer. Oh, you know what the Kiddush is? I gave my animal to a watcher to watch. And the watcher gives it to a shepherd. Okay. <coughs> huh? The difference is you didn't, he didn't, you didn't give him that leeway. Correct. He gave it to the shimer. He gave it to the raya. He gave it to the shepherd. The halacha still is the shepherd is responsible, not the first guy. Even though the first guy seems to have done it without consulting with the owner. The shepherd is still the one who's responsible. If the owner wants to be paid back, let's say the animal gets lost, whatever. Um, so it's the second guy. It's the, it's the shepherd. Now let's explain. Bishamer Kama Iftal Gamri says the Gemara, it seems that the first watcher who the owner gave it to was off the hook. Because he gave it to a um, yeah, a responsible party. Right? He gave it over to a responsible party. Lema, David Rava, this halacha seems to fly in the the face of the opinion of Rava. Dama Rava, Rava says, Rava holds that if I give something over to a watchman, that watchman is responsible for anything that happens, even if he gives it over to another responsible watchman. Okay? That's Rava's opinion. Now, according to Rava, that means that if, my, if the first shimer gives it over to a raya, gives it to a shepherd, the shepherd's not going to be responsible. The first guy should be responsible. Because the owner could always walk over to the first guy and say, I trusted you. I didn't ask you to give it over to anybody. So this is a problem, because again, our Mishnah says, seems to imply, the owner gave it to a watchman, the watchman gave it to a shepherd, who's responsible, shepherd, but Rava holds in general, if I give it to a watchman, and a watchman gives it to another watchman, you're chayef. So what who's is it? The first guy is responsible. The owner? No, the first guy. The first guy. The first, the first agent. Yeah, the first agent. Mm-hmm. Right? So how's Rava going to work with our Mishnah? Now, what does it mean? He gave it to a, a shepherd. It means libarzilai. I gave it to a shepherd. Me, the owner, gave my animal to a shepherd. My shepherd gave it to his assistant. So now, an assistant is usually not the main guy. We'll call it. He has his driver's permit. He's learning the ropes. Not as good. So we say the first shepherd is going to be responsible. I'm sorry. The first shepherd is going to be putter. Everybody will agree the first shepherd is putter. Only the second guy is putter. Only the second guy is chayav. Why? 
Because every time I give it to a shepherd, I know they that they have helpers. The they have helpers. They have helpers. I took my kid to the uh, pediatrician last he, week. He never saw a doctor. Huh? He never saw the doctor. Or the doctor comes in with the medical students. That's expected, right? Or you don't see the doctor. You send in, they, they send in the PA, or they'll send in a nurse, unless they have to actually be there. You know that in that field. So apparently in the field of shepherding, if I give myself, if I give my animal to a shepherd, I'm not guaranteed who's actually going to be overseeing my flock. You have to expect anybody who's working in that conglomerate. And it's, all, it's a business. It's a business. He's got helpers. He's got this. He's got that. Right? You send your kid to a playgroup. Right? Could be the main teacher's not going to be there every day. There might be somebody else. All right. say a little differently. Since we said he gave it over to a shepherd, like it says he gave it to a shepherd. Then the shepherd is responsible. Why, why, why are you mentioning a shepherd? Why don't you mention a regular watchman? You give it over to somebody else who agrees to be a shimer. I'm not a shepherd. Well, you give it to me. I, I'm not a shepherd. But I agree to watch your sheep. Why do you say shepherd? So, Shmamina, my Mosulroy. It's got to be that. Why we say it in Raya? Mosulroy le Brazile. It means he's going to give it over to his helper. It's normal. But what happens if you give it to somebody who's not third party? Third party. Somebody who's not in the shepherding family. Okay? He's not, not, not in your group. Not part of the group. Uh, the halacha would be different. And we'll say that the first shaymer would be responsible. If I give it to a shaymer, a raya, or anybody, and that shaymer gives it to somebody who's not in a, uh, a helper. He'd be chayv. This is a proof to Rava. Dama Rava, because Rava holds shaymer shmasa l'shaymer chayv. If one shaymer gives to another shaymer, the first shaymer is responsible, unless, we're going to put it in here, unless it's expected... And he's part of that uh, medical uh, group. Part of that shepherding group. Amri, they said, it's not a proof to Rava, because Doma Orcha de Milsa Katani. Our Mishnah might just be saying Orcha de Milsa. We're not saying it has to be you gave it to a shepherd. Why do we talk about shepherd? Because that's what's normal. Most people give their animals to shepherds. But maybe the same halacha would hold true everywhere else. Okay, bottom line is, we just don't have a proof whether Rava is correct or not when he says that Shemer Shemasa the Shemer when one guardian gives it to another guardian, one watchman gives another watchman, the first guy is Chayav, we don't have a proof to him, we don't have a proof against him, we don't know. Itmar, we learned, Shaymer Aveda. Get ready for this. This Machlaikas is a Shas Sugya. This Gemara comes up all the time. It's a well-known, well-well-known Gemara. Okay? Incredible, incredible Gemara. A person who finds a lost object... You are obligated to watch it. What type of watcher am I? Am I called an unpaid watcher or am I called a paid watcher? Unpaid. Rabbi Omar, Shaymer, Chinam, Dami, like Steve. You are an unpaid watcher. If you're an unpaid watcher and something goes wrong, you're off the hook. Rabbi Yosef Omar, Kishaymer, Sachar, Dami. When you find a lost object until it's returned to the owner, you are considered a paid watcher. Now, if you're paid, you are responsible if something goes wrong, unless it's like a total accident. Okay. Rabbi, why does Rabbi say you're called unpaid? What's the answer? Logic. What, what sort of benefit am I getting by 
announcing your lost object. And therefore, nothing to talk about. You're not paying me. I'm, uh, I'm not responsible. Unless I'm negligent. Rabbi Yosef Amar, um, but Rabbi Yosef says, Kishem Why? Why are you called paid? Get ready for this. Because even though you're not actively being paid, but from the fact that you have a mitzvah constantly in front of you, since you can benefit financially, if somebody asks you for tzedakah, you could say, I'm busy returning a lost object. With that benefit of not having to give bread to a poor person because you're already Isaac of a mitzvah, that's called... Payment, even though you're not actually receiving funds. Since you could save money, because you're Isaac the mitzvah, you're putter from other mitzvahs, and that's enough to be called a Shaymer Sachar. Incredible. Okay. Says the Gemara, one second. Some say a little differently. He says, I'll tell you another reason why you're called a paid watchman. Okay? Because if you're an unpaid watchman, that means voluntary. You completely volunteered. It was completely with your rutzen. I just want to be a nice guy. But if the Torah obligates me to do something, and the Torah says, when it comes to lost objects, you're not allowed to hide from it. It kind of puts a responsibility, puts an onus on you. And therefore, since you're to watch this item, even... Not by choice, you have to give better shmir. You have to give better shmir. Simen hachzir loilam heishiv chia amar amrit nishbar sachir. Aisir beis the rabbi, beis who says you're a paid watchman, says to rabbi who says you're shaymer chinam. Hachzir lemakom shiranam. Let's say the finder brings, uh, puts it in a place where the loser can get it. Ena chayiv letapolba. If you put it in a place where the owner could find it, you're good. But if it gets lost or stolen, you're obligated for it. Now here's the problem. If you're not obligated to deal with it anymore, why are you responsible to get lost or stolen? My nignaba abdo, what does it mean? Lab nigna bevesa bevesa? He returned, he found something, and yeah. he put it back where he thought it was. Easily found. Are he where he put it back to the original place? Oh, so not original place. So we're gonna, the Gemara is going to explain the following: when I'm when I find a lost object that I'm obligated to return, I could do a couple of things. I could put up a sign around town that an item was found. Come get it, or. And the Gemara is going to describe when you're allowed to do this. You could take the object itself, bring it to the town square where everybody in the shtetl walks by, and put it in a place that's out in the public that you know the owner will see at some point if it's actually his. Okay? Now there's parameters right, when you're allowed to do this. My side, they, oh. they want to borrow it. Beautiful. And not give it back. Right? <clears throat> what if somebody decides they want to borrow it and not give it back? Yeah? So what happens if Nigriva Ayavda says the says the, the Gemara, but if it gets lost or stolen, you're responsible if you choose that path. Okay, so you put it back, but now if somebody steals it, you, you are allowed to do that? 
but if something goes wrong, you're responsible to pay for it. Right, and it's not considered a strong watching either. You didn't protect this very well. So this is where Yosef is going to build this point. My nigna by what does mean? Lost or stolen? Lav nigna by Yosef, does doesn't mean that it was stolen from his house. So you see, you're considered a shomer a shomer sacher. You're considered paid because a paid watcher is obligated if it gets lost or stolen. It says, Maybe it got lost or stolen from the place that it was returned to. And even though you're allowed to put it there, it still is a weaker form of shvira. So it's, it's, that's why you're responsible. I have a katani in a chayla tapa, but we said you don't, you don't got to deal with it. So why would you be responsible? What are we dealing with? What's that case over there um, where we say, I found something and I put it back in the public place at high noon. I'm learning two If I brought it in the morning to a place where the owner would see it, and I know that people in town on their way to work pass through this area. So it's more common for people to find it. That is smart, and you're done if you put it there at that time. Okay? Because there's a chance the owner will find it soon. And since it's a limited amount of time that it'll be there, it's not called negligent to leave it out there. However, let's say you put it later in the day where it could be seen. Now here's the problem. Less chance the owner finding it, which means greater negligence on my part for choosing that route. Then I'll say, In such a case, if it's lost or stolen, even though you were permitted to put it there, it's not called a good, a good enough real watching. And I would be responsible if it gets lost or stolen to pay back. Bottom line is, Rabbi Yisif, who said you're a paid watcher, asked the question on Rabbah being an unpaid watcher. Rabbah, if you're an unpaid watcher, why are you responsible if it gets lost or stolen? And Rabbah's responding because even though uh, we're dealing with where it got stolen from the town square, and the owner did not, and he put him there in the afternoon. The, the finder put it there in the afternoon. And there's less chance the owner finding it. That's an element of negligence in your part, and that's why you're high. But it has nothing to do whether or not you're a shemachinam or shemachinam. Because either way, if you're dealing with negligence, both a paid watcher and unpaid watcher is high. Hence, we don't have a proof to Rabbi Yosef. And that's from tomorrow, we will continue on and try to prove who is correct when, yeah. somebody, when somebody finds a lost object and you're obligated to watch it. Are you called a paid or unpaid watcher? The... The Machlaikas uh, continues. Okay, have a wonderful evening. Good night, Shabbos, everybody. 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. Bez Hashem. It doesn't yeah. deal with the issue.